Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, the world is getting uh, smaller and smaller, and even the smallest uh, of uh, enterprises can, na- can now enjoy some of the benefits of customer uh, relations software. We have a very uh, knowledgeable guest with us today, Anthony Smith. He's founder and CEO of Insightly. He talks about how CRM can play a role in data security and other matters, but more importantly, add profits. Anthony, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Don. I'm a pleasure to be here. Okay. Uh, if I may call you first, Anthony, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we get into anything else. Sure. I grew up in Perth in Western Australia, which you can probably tell by my accent. And uh, I started my company Insightly in January of 2012. And at that point in time, we took some investment from venture capital firms here in the United States. And um, my wife and I moved uh, our business here to sunny San Francisco, California. So we've been in business for nearly five years now and uh, producing customer relationship management software specifically designed for small to medium-sized businesses. Well, before we go further, when you say moved, were you in Australia at the time when you uh, uh, got the investment? Yeah, so I spent probably, you know, a couple of months flying between uh, Perth and here in San Francisco and also a couple of times to Boston to talk to some venture capital firms in those two places and really get an understanding of who they were and why they were interested in investing in my company because I was a little bit cautious as to uh, you know, what the venture capital industry wanted out of an investment in Insightly. There's not a lot of venture capital funding for 
uh, startups in Australia. And uh, I really fell in love with a firm over here in San Francisco, Emergence Capital Partners. And uh, we took a $3 million Series A investment from them and moved over here to the Valley, principally to be closer to, uh, you know, the hub of all things technology here in the Valley. And our biggest partner is uh, Google. So we're just down the road from them in San Francisco and uh, it proved to be a great move. Oh, well, that's interesting. So you developed your product in Australia, but yet moved it to the States. Am I hearing you correctly? Yeah, that's exactly right, Don. So I worked with some small businesses in Perth and Western Australia and really developed the software in conjunction with them and then moved to the United States uh, to grow the business and take on additional capital. Hmm. Oh, for for our um, uh, American friends who perhaps don't know enough about Australia, Perth is kind of a way out from um, the other uh, the other side of the continent from uh, uh, Mel um, uh, Melbourne and uh, the other major cities. Am I right? Yeah. So you your geography is spot on, Don. So uh, we have Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane on the east coast. And uh, Perth is the only major city on the west coast of Western Australia, and it actually has the title of the most isolated capital city in the world as well. Uh, well, uh, it's interesting in how, how you cast your fortune uh, with this uh, with this company, and you now entering your fifth year. Um, tell us a little bit about Slightly and what it does, and 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 how it could help small businesses. Yeah, so we produce customer relationship management software, which is sometimes called CRM. It's basically the software that tracks your customers and organizations, as well as the sales process. And Insightly also has project management built in as well. So it's a pretty comprehensive suite of products to enable you to run your business better, to communicate with your customers in an easier way, and to be able to track all the correspondence that you send to and from your customers. So that if you have employees that move up or move on, you can keep all of that correspondence inside the CRM so that none of that, you know, leaves with the employees when they change roles or positions. So it's very helpful for that as well as for tracking uh, the sales process and who said what to whom if you're doing a lot of sales or negotiation with different clients. The CRM manages all of that process uh, within the one tool. Well, you know, you you brought up an interesting point that I hadn't thought of before. When someone leaves, I remember you used to what they'd leave is a a, a file cabinet full of correspondence. But what you're saying is your system, um, in effect, uh, uh, eliminates that by keeping everything in one place. Yeah, so Insightly uh, helps you do that by saving all of the correspondence automatically against the people that you talk to, whether that's email or in the case of phone calls, and uh, allows for if you have a lot of new people entering the position and they have to take up, um, you know, getting an understanding of who said what to whom with uh, some of the projects or the sales processes that are in place, Insightly can really help with that as well. So that a lot of that, you know, intellectual property and knowledge doesn't really walk out the door uh, when your employees leave at the end of the day. You've got it captured and you've got it stored and you're able to reference that at a future point in time. Well, you know, one of the reasons you're on the program, how does it help you? Uh, everybody is worried about data security. 
uh, and hacking. How does how does your system help um, uh, pre uh, not prevent it, reduce it? Yeah, that certainly seems to be the hot topic of the moment, Don. So over the last six months, our engineering team here at Insightly have really uh, spent a lot of time uh, producing some features that really help you lock in some of that security because the information that we store is pretty sensitive information to the organization. So we're pretty proud to uh, announce that we just uh, received what we like to call SOC 2 compliance, which uh, the American Institute of CPAs audited all of our uh, processes and uh, they uh, have awarded us SOC 2 compliance, which is a... Um, an audited recommendation that you know we put in place all of the controls to prevent uh, unauthorized third-party access and to ensure that the data is safe that we store on behalf of our customers. So um, that's a, a pretty uh, monumental certification for us and we're very proud of it. Along with that, we've just rolled out some additional role-based security. So if you've got a tiered organization structure where some employees might not be able to see uh, data that other employees produce, but you have maybe managers that can see that data or further up in the hierarchy, vice presidents or the CEO, we now have a very, very comprehensive security system in place to make sure that individual employees can see all the data that they need to be able to see and no more. So um, there's some, some pretty uh, complex and, and uh, interesting features that we've put in place on behalf of our clients. So we're very proud of those. Well, tell um, you you brought it up, and, but um, can you go into a little bit more detail? Explain what you mean by that. Uh, I'm sure you understand it, but uh, uh, I'd like our audience to have a, a little better grasp of it. Certainly, uh, Don. So, if you're referring to the uh, security organization controls or the SOC 2 compliance. That's uh, um, uh, a compliance uh, recommendation and approval where we have auditors come into our organization and they sit with us in, in the offices here of Insightly for several weeks and uh, look through all of our documentation and our processes that we put in place in storing customer information and making sure that uh, customer information is held uh, in the correct way uh, as well as a lot of uh, um, compliance around uh, human resources, um, staff management, uh, employee management, accounting management, technical management, and they make sure that the processes that we have in place are the correct processes and that we keep up with them and uh, that nothing falls through the cracks. So it's a pretty comprehensive audit that we have. Usually only larger uh, companies have this level of compliance, but we decided that uh, because security is so pertinent to our customers that we would also like to have uh, that compliance certification. So we, we passed it and uh, we get audited again in six months time, but we're very happy to, to have that and to be able to tell our customers that we have that safeguard in place. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I, I know um, a, a recent study we did indicates that uh, uh, finally it's penetrating small business owners that they've got to do more about security. Um, and also they're being prodded by their insurance company and other people. Uh, how does that apply? The, the, does that help them in uh, complying with insurance com uh, company um, requirements? Yes, it certainly can do. There are a lot of insurance companies that if they provide insurance cover for hacking or internet breakages, 
if uh, companies use a piece of software in the CRM space, they like to see that level of certification uh, before they will insure the company, or sometimes it can reduce their uh, premiums in their insurance if they have that. So that's certainly one angle uh, that you can take when it comes to uh, making sure that the software vendors that you have have a certain level of rigor and security, uh, and you can uh, you know rest easy at night at night um, to, um, knowing that. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about something else. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm of the school of sales thought that follow-up is the key to successful sales. How does your system help people follow up, uh, your people follow up on a sale or yeah, possible that's sale? A, that's a, a great point. So uh, we just released a new feature called workflow automation and we've had in place for some time an additional feature called activity set. So I agree that especially in a sales process or in a customer service or customer success process, follow-up within a certain period of time is, um, is something that you really need to make sure that you do on behalf of the customer so that they have a good experience using your product or service. So Insightly can really help there because we can automate a lot of those processes. So maybe a customer rings in and they have a problem with your product or service and you need to follow up within a specified period of time, we can create a new task automatically, assign it within a certain time period and make sure that someone with the appropriate resources can execute that and get back to the customer with the information they need to know within a certain period of time. And also on the sales process, as you alluded to, Don, we can make sure that Maybe it takes you two or three phone calls and a couple of emails to reach the appropriate prospect within your client company. We can make sure that we automate those and, and you can do those in mass so that you get that level of exposure to the customer and you can make sure that you talk to the right person. And it certainly can queue up those tasks or those emails or those phone calls so that you can get a lot more done in your day than if you were kind of tracking it in a spreadsheet or on paper or out of your email inbox. Well, also, um, I've noticed lately that uh, if I call into someone about something, um, the, about a day later, I'll get an, um, an email, tell us how we did. Is that part of your system? And um, uh, can, can your people do it with your system? And should they do it? Uh, I think it depends on your own business practices as to whether you think that's an appropriate use of customer uh, time management. But certainly and slightly allows for you to do that. If, if uh, someone calls into your organization, you can send a follow-up email automatically 24 hours later with a little survey in it that asks how you did or asks for additional comments. That's, uh, that's certainly one way that you can configure it. And Insightly is very flexible on how we do that, what emails we send and to whom. Well, okay, uh, I'm a small business. And I'm thinking of uh, adding your system or, or a similar system. What are some of the questions I should be asking you or any CRM system uh, about, uh, uh, to, in order to integrate it into my uh, workflow? Yeah, so some of the questions that you might ask, Don, are, is the system web-based or do you need any additional computers on site to be able to run the system? 
Uh, and also, when you invest in the system, are there uh, people that can come out and train you, or is there additional online training available so that uh, your staff can get trained up in how to use it? And uh, over time, new staff that can come in can be able to get the appropriate level of training so they know how to use the system. Other things that you might be concerned about, of course, is the price over time. How does that look compared to maybe other uh, systems that you're evaluating, as well as does it integrate with some of the other tools and other pieces of software that I might already use within my organization? So I'm sure uh, there are tools like uh, Microsoft Office that you use internally, or maybe Google Docs and Sheets that you use internally. Uh, does this tool integrate with those so that you can get additional value uh, from some of the, the tools that you already use. So there's some pertinent questions that you might want to think about uh, when you're looking to bring a new piece of software into your organization. We're talking with Anthony Smith. He's founder and CEO of Insightly, um, a fairly a, a uniquely uh, suited to small business CRM system. Um, Anthony, how did you come up with the name Insightly? Yeah, that's a great story, Don. So uh, I was actually with my fiance holidaying in Paris, and I was trying to think of a name for uh, um, a computer system that was unique and that you know gave some sort of indication that um, the software uh, was insightful and easy to use. So. I wanted a unique name that was not a word in the English language so that when you Googled us, uh, we were the first few results that came up. So uh, I thought, you know, Insight with L-Y on the end was, uh, was a, a pretty great uh, name. And we were also able to get the domain name as well, which is pretty key to uh, having an internet-based company these days. So uh, we managed to register the domain name and uh, started using it from that point on. Uh, this uh, uh, question for you that sometimes asked: uh, Had something somebody already uh, taken it, or were you fortunate enough that no one had taken it? Yeah, we were very fortunate in that no one had taken that name, so we were able to register it. Um, but we went through a lot of names that people had already taken, so uh, it was it was great to be able to get one that was short and that was succinct and that kind of told you a little bit about the type of software that we have um, that wasn't already taken. So uh, the, the site is insightly.com? That's correct, yes. Well, will you spell it out for our audience? Yeah, so it's I-N-S-I-G-H-T-L-Y.com. Uh, and if you just Google for Insightly CRM, we should be the first results with the pages. Hmm. Well, um, uh, now I'm entering your fifth year. We we asked this question of entrepreneurs: What are the two or three things you've learned that you'd pass on to other small business leaders? Yeah, so we speak to a lot of small businesses uh, during the course of the weeks and months that we've been in business over these five years, Don. And one thing that we've learned as that all the small businesses are unique in certain specific ways. So when uh, you're looking for a piece of software, 
you want a high level of customization, especially when it comes to customer management software, so that you can configure it for the type of business that you run and some of the processes that you already have in place that you've found are efficient in your business. So we try to make sure that uh, that customers, you know, get that level of uh, configurability with their software so that they don't have to change their own processes to the way that the software works, rather that the software should be able to, um, you know, mold around the processes that they already have in place that they get maximum efficiency from. So we make sure that that's the case. And uh, um, it certainly proved to be uh, popular with our customers, the level of customization that we have, coupled with uh, we have a great great customer success team that can teach potential customers about all of the options that we have available in the software. Okay, that's good. But my question to you is, what have you learned that you'd pass on to other small business owners or leaders about leading a small company? Yeah, uh, certainly. And Siley is just over 100 employees now. One of the things that I've learned as we've grown up over the last five years is that uh, keeping your employees happy and productive is the key feature. Even though we spend all day producing software, making sure that uh, our employees are happy and uh, that they're getting value and vocational uh, um, growth within the business is certainly one of the things that we absolutely make sure that we do and we work really hard to do because uh, even though we're a software company, we're completely reliant on uh, employees and making sure that um, we produce great software. So, you know, a lot of what uh, CEO's role is, is a little bit of psychologist, and, uh, and we try to make sure that, um, that we certainly take care of our employees as our number one uh, priority. Anthony Smith, founder and CEO of Insightly, we thank you for being with us today. <laughs> I, I certainly learned a lot, and I hope our, our audience did as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Don. I really appreciated the time. No, no, no. We're glad you stopped by. Have a good day. Thank you. Our, our next guest um, is is really a, a pre-recorded. He's uh, John Scully, uh, who you know from Apple and, and other places. Um, oh, stopped by our studios and also contributed to our new book, Recalculating 97 Plus Experts on Driving Your Small Business. And uh, uh, he talked about how to uh, build a small business, and we wanted you to hear it again. Here it is now. Our guest tonight is a real honor for us. It's John Scully. Uh, he's a nationally known business person, leader of, of uh, two great companies, and the author of a new book. Uh, John, welcome to the program. Thank you, Don. Nice to be with you. Well, as we ask, uh, always ask all of our guests, we first want to know a little bit about yourself personally before we get into, into the, anything else today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, John. Well, I was uh, born and brought up in New York City, and I uh, lived out on Long Island. Uh, I went to um, university at Brown University and the Rhode Island School of Design. I went on to Wharton Business School, got my MBA, uh, started out in uh, marketing, uh, working with 
the uh, one of the largest uh, marketing advertising agencies in, in New York City. I uh, actually started working on the Coca-Cola account uh, doing market research, and then I was recruited to PepsiCo. I was the first MBA that PepsiCo had ever hired. Uh, they weren't quite sure what to do with me, so they put me out on a route truck and had me work in bottling plants, and I learned the business getting my hands dirty, which, by the way, is the best advice I can give any entrepreneur. Uh, if you want to really understand the business, you've got to understand it at the operating level. And then I was at the right place at the right time. I joined Pepsi when it was a very small company. Uh, it was actually really a strong regional uh, soft drink brand in the U.S., uh, outsold about 10 to 1 in most of the southeast and southwest at that time. Uh, we're going back now um, to 1970, uh, quite some time ago. I was fortunate. I was um, uh, promoted uh, relatively quickly over about uh, four years to become the marketing vice president of Pepsi-Cola. And um, it was at that time that I worked on such things as the development and launch of the first two-liter plastic bottle, uh, selling into new channels like mass merchandisers and drug chains that had never carried soft drinks because they didn't like uh, glass bottles because they broke. Um, I helped develop a campaign called the Pepsi Challenge, which uh, enabled Pepsi in, in markets where we were outsold 10 to 1 to eventually pass Coca-Cola. And I was eventually promoted to become the CEO of uh, Pepsi-Cola Company, and I did that for five years. Uh, we, by that point, had past Coca-Cola is the largest selling consumer packaged good in America. And it was because of the work that I did at Pepsi, with, particularly with the Pepsi Challenge, that Steve Jobs uh, recruited me to come to Apple because he believed in the early 1980s that technology would eventually become a business that would have to be marketed much the way consumer products like Coke and Pepsi were marketed during the Cola Wars. And his great vision was that uh, personal computers were going to be tools for the mind that would change the way that uh, non-technical people would be able to become both creative and more productive, the so-called knowledge worker era. And I was at Pepsi, or excuse me, I was at Apple uh, from a year before the Macintosh was introduced all the way um, until Apple became the number one selling personal computer in the world. Uh, that was a 10-year uh, run while I was CEO at Apple. We grew from uh, less than $800 million in revenue to over $8 billion in revenue. And um, I then became an entrepreneur. And I've been an entrepreneur for the over 20 years now, uh, helping start companies, mentoring companies. Uh, today, I don't actually run businesses anymore, but I uh, mentor, invest, uh, rain make, which means open doors, put deals together, uh, in a number of different uh, industry sectors. And it's really in that last era uh, that I've been in for the last 20 years of being an entrepreneur that uh, led me to write a book called Moonshot because I saw some things that were going on in the world, Don, that are so incredible in terms of the opportunities for small and medium-sized businesses, particularly entrepreneurs, to be able to game change and build transformational companies. And I wanted to tell people about it because I've been lucky to be at the right place at the right time, and I wanted to be able to pass those experiences on to others. Well, I have to tell you, your book is absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I read it, uh, still reading it because it's uh, got a lot in it. But um, 
Well, for our audience, can you kind of sum up what your main are in the book and what you sure. hope that they will get out of it? Yes, I can. Uh, I think of myself, though I've been in high technology now for 32 years, I think of myself as a marketing person. And so I look at technology from the standpoint of, so what are the derivative effects of these incredible technologies? And how do we build businesses around it and take advantage of the technologies? So the biggest change that is happening right now, and it's something that's really unprecedented, is that the rapid growth of several new technologies, not just one, but several, cloud computing, uh, giving us the computational power beyond anything we could have imagined a decade ago. Mobile devices, the smartphone has now surpassed the television as the most important consumer technology in the world. Big data analytics, everything is data today. I grew up in the world of mass marketing. You know, today, if you want to be a marketer, you've got to understand predictive analytics, big data as it's called. And these things are creating a power shift in the marketplace. So it's not the technology that you should focus on so much. It's the effects of the technology. And what it's doing is it's shifting the market power from incumbent companies, often leaders in their industry, companies with great products and reputations. But now along come new companies. And the new companies may have a better product or service. And if they do, customers are now in control not the producers. And the customers are in control because of the communications we have today, because of the access to information uh, we have today, and the social media, which lets customers listen to the opinions of other customers and to be able to pass on their own opinions. And so customers pay more attention today to the opinions of other customers than they do to the established reputations of even the best incumbents in the industries. And so it's a huge opportunity, and it's also, in the book Moonshot, uh, gives pretty good detailed explanation as to why are some of these companies in just a few years, three, four, five years, becoming so incredibly valuable, and why will this happen again and again, and how you can be a part of it. Well, that's a fantastic um, summation. Um, uh, an interesting statistic that I came across my desk on Monday was the fact that uh, still a majority of small businesses still are not embracing this uh, because they, they're, they seem to be afraid of the technology, afraid of, of using it. What advice do you give uh, an entrepreneur or a small business as to uh, how to, how to uh, kind of parcel out these changes and uh, apply them to their to their own business. Well, I have to uh, reveal here that that I am a huge believer that the future of our society in America, our economy, um, really revolves around how successful we are as a country in terms of making it possible for small and medium-sized businesses to be able to continue to grow. I mean, how do we deal with the increasing regulations? How do we deal with the uh, changing opportunities and the changing competition? And so uh, what it really means is that an entrepreneur, a small and medium business owner or executive, needs to have a broad curiosity. You've got to be interested in what's going on. 
And what I learned years ago uh, in the years that I was working um, with MIT at the MIT Media Lab was that you have to be able to see a problem from multiple perspectives. And you don't really understand something. Uh, Marvin Minsky, a famous uh, professor at MIT, used to say, unless you see it from more than one perspective. And I think a small and medium business person needs to realize that technologies are commoditizing rapidly, but it's domain expertise in different domains and connecting the dots between these domains. So, so why did Kodak, for example, miss digital photography? They were the leader in the world, and yet um, companies that had started in the digital era, like, like Apple, um, saw that photography was going to move to the smartphone, and uh, they took advantage of the fact that wireless communications was moving from uh, simple text to the ability to see photos and be able to transmit them over um, a regular smartphone, and it was Apple who ended up uh, owning the digital photography industry, not Kodak. And so a small and medium business person needs to be well-informed and they need to have a big curiosity. And they always need to see something, and this is what I try to lay out in pretty much an instructional format in Moonshot, to see the world through the eyes of the customer. Always start with what's in it for the customer. What's the big problem you can solve for the customer? And can you come up with a solution that is better than whatever solutions exist today? If you can, uh, you've got the first principle of you know, how to build a successful transformational business. Start with a customer problem. And then in Moonshot, Don, I also go through and explain what I call the customer plan. Uh, many people are familiar with the term business plan, and that can be a pretty uh, laborious process, often taking months to put together each year, the annual business plan. But actually, uh, I don't see that much more than just a budget exercise, because it's basically looking backwards and saying, okay, so next year we hope to do a little better, so how will we have the additional money we can generate from doing a little bit better, and how do we allocate it from department to department? That isn't how you build a transformational business. The way you build a transformational business is you have to build a customer plan, not a business plan. And the customer plan says, what does it take to address the big customer problem that hopefully you've identified and to say, how do I engage customers to you know, be excited about it? How do I look at the cost of customer acquisition? How do I uh, retain the loyalty of customers once they have come on board? It may astound people to realize that it typically costs five to eight times more to retain a customer than that you may have lost, uh, I should say, to replace a customer that you may have lost than if you had retained that customer in the first place. And so uh, when you start to realize how valuable a business uh, can be when you see it through the eyes of the customer metrics and when you build a customer plan, it's always about how do you, you know, build a plan that gives you differentiation versus what the other choices are out there for those customers and leverage the things that you can control, which may be you know, unique ways to acquire customers, unique ways to build loyalty with customers, unique ways to monetize the customers. And what I uh, reveal in Moonshot are many of the successful strategies that other people have done. Moonshot's not my autobiography. Moonshot is a conversation with entrepreneurs in many different industries 
about what did they learn, how did they apply it, particularly through this idea of building a customer plan. Well, in, in, in today's world, it's fairly, uh, it's a lot easier to reach out to your customers. Uh, I really should put that as a question to you. Is it easier today to uh, reach the customer and to uh, better identify the customer than it was, Absolutely. say, 20 years? Absolutely. If we go back to even during the era that I was CEO of Apple, we didn't have much better information than when I was CEO of Pepsi. Um, you know, we were uh, kind of looking at, at large categories of demographics, and we didn't know exactly who was going to buy our products or how frequently they, they may uh, want to uh, continue to look for a, a, a product over time. Uh, we just didn't have much data. Well, guess what? Uh, all of this data is available today, and because of the reliability and the uh, dramatic improvement of not only the power of computers but the uh, cost of being able to personalize this data down to individuals, this kind of information is available to every company, not just big companies, but it's the small, agile companies that take the time to understand how accessible this kind of information is, how cheap it is to get this kind of information. But the key thing is, how do you put it to work? And how do you commercialize a product, an idea, a marketing campaign in a way that is going to be able to deploy it? So the key insight is uh, not that this is possible uh, or not that there aren't a lot of people with good ideas, but it's all about commercialization and execution. And here's the thing which I found uh, so significant from the most successful entrepreneurs in many different industries that I t talked with in putting the book Moonshot together, and that is you never learn from your successes. You always learn from your mistakes. In fact, your successes often uh, cause you to be a victim of your success because you assume that the reason you are successful may or may not have been the reason you were actually successful, and you often become complacent. I mean, why is it that Microsoft and Intel, who dominated the 1990s during the era of the web with personal computers, and yet both of them missed mobility? I mean, how is that possible? I mean, they had uh, very smart people. Uh, they had incredible resources, and yet they both missed mobility. So you have to have the perspective of seeing things through the eyes of the customer and then being able to map into that uh, what are the advances in technology that make things that were expensive in one era actually incredibly cheap and in the case of knowing your customers at a personal level actually very practical to know exactly who your customer is exactly what their behavior is uh, and then being able to uh, take that knowledge and turn it back into a business campaign and these are the types of things which uh, small and medium business owners and executives are moving to. And I call this uh, being an adaptive innovator. Uh, not everybody needs to be Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or uh, Larry Page from Google or Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. You don't all have to be geniuses to be able to participate in this. But what you have to be is someone who is curious with an open mind, willing to work hard when you see an opportunity, uh, sense the urgency to be very focused, and you have to be able to learn how to use these new tools that are all about uh, applying data. And so I'm a big believer in being able to use 
data analytics. Now, I was lucky because I studied math in graduate school, and I come from a marketing background, and I've been working with data my whole business life. So uh, to me, this is like the best time in my life uh, because now the things that we thought of as just uh, academic decades ago suddenly are in- incredibly practical t- today, and they're ex- available in various types of services from different uh, technology and other business and marketing cloud companies right now. You don't have to go off and become a mathematician in order to use it. Well, uh, a question uh, that comes up often when I talk with our audience is the fact that uh, many of these uh, companies that take advantage of all this are really run, uh, started and run by younger uh, people. And there almost seems to be a generational gap between the, the younger people in, in uh, some of these industries and the older people. Uh, do you see that or do you uh, see uh, uh, innovative people who are uh, of the older generation? Well, I'm older generation, and I still feel pretty innovative. Um, but I don't uh, take for granted that I'm going to be able to do it as well as the younger people. And so uh, you have to be able to tap into the young talent. And anytime anyone worries about America, just get out and uh, go to one of the incubators where these young people are uh, working together. In many cases, uh, four or five companies will, will resident in a location and they get to network with one another. Uh, but you know what? Uh, they love having a mentor. And so for me, I say, gee, I can be a mentor. I can help them commercialize their businesses. I can be a rainmaker. I can open doors. And there are other people like me out there. So uh, you have to say it takes a team to build a company. You know, building a t- company is a team sport. And you have to figure out uh, when you're putting people on the bus, get them into the right seats. So you don't have to have uh, everybody doing the same thing. It's great having uh, a few gray-haired people uh, on, on the team who can uh, be able to put into context the experience they have, uh, but you also want some young people on there who are bringing in new talents and have a lot of high energy. So um, it is a team sport. Uh, it's a very interesting uh I've gone to some of these incubators, and you're right about that. It's amazing how um, they work uh, 20, 20, almost 24-7, uh, seem to have a, a whole different approach to the way things are, are done than certainly uh, my generation, and I think we're somewhat contemporaries. Um, uh, as a final sum-up, uh, what would be the three things that... that uh, uh, if you had to sum up every, everything you said, uh, you would say to our audience. Well, number one, building a business today, whether it's a business you have and you want to continue to uh, make it successful or whether you're thinking about even starting a new business, it all starts with the customer. Uh, and if you're going to solve a big customer problem, you better have a really good product. I've been fortunate, Don, because uh, I've always worked with companies that built great products. I've never been in the position where I had to sell a mediocre product. I wouldn't honestly know how to sell a mediocre product because uh, I believe that uh, so much of the success 
uh, has to revolve around getting customers to talk about the products. What, you know, what do they like about it? So I'm constantly in- interested in getting customer feedback. So it starts with a big customer problem that has to be identified. You have to create a solution or a product or a service that matches as closely to uh, what you believe is the most exciting way of solving that problem for a customer. And then it's, it's all about getting the right people in your company. It, it's always about the people. The, the people are more important. I'm talking about the people in your own company are more important than the ideas. Now, here's the interesting observation I'd make about Silicon Valley. You go out there as a young person, uh, you're valedictorian in your school, you think you're pretty smart, and guess what? You show up and you discover everybody's a valedictorian. There are lots of ideas. There are thousands of good ideas and smart people. So why, if there are so many ideas and smart people, are there only a, a handful of really successful companies? And the reason is it's all about people. And so you've got to pick the best possible people to work with you. Remember, team sport, build a team, and being able to attract the right people to work together. And then it's all about timing. I mean, you've got to be doing the right thing at the right time. Sometimes you can be too early. Uh, sometimes you can be too late. So uh, it's customers. Uh, it's getting the right people. And it's doing the right things at the right time. Well, uh, the, uh, the name of your book again and where people can get it? Yes, the name of the book is Moonshot, uh, How to Create Game-Changing Strategies to Build Billion-Dollar Companies. It's available on Amazon. You can get it as an e-book. You can get it as a hard copy book. You can get it as an audio book. Uh, it's designed for uh, people. You don't have to be an engineer to read this book. It's designed for uh, people in business who think about things in an intelligent, common-sense way and who are really interested in building you know, customer-focused businesses. Well, a question. Why did you decide to write the book? I decided to write the book because I've been so lucky in my life to have been in some really interesting places at transformational moments. I've worked with some of the most talented uh, business people in the world over a good number of decades, and I said that I want to pass some of this on. I want uh, people to realize that they can do it too, that there are lessons here that I and others have learned uh, that can be first principles for those who want to go out and build their own businesses and build their own successes. You know, I'm a big believer that America's future uh, revolves around innovation, entrepreneurs, uh, being able to adapt, that's why I call them adaptive innovators, to adapt to the changing opportunities and the incredible tools that we have today, such as uh, mobility and big data analytics, cloud computing, uh, how these things can dramatically change the cost of doing business and the quality of customer experience that we can offer customers. So I wrote it uh, really because I wanted others to be able to um, enjoy some of the success and, and fun, really, because I really enjoy doing what I do. Uh, that is very much possible today all over the world. Well, John, thank you for taking uh, your time today uh, to talk with us. Uh, if, they, if they wanted to reach you or, how, uh, or learn more, is there any way they can uh, – do you have a website or something? Sure. Yeah, you can go to John Scully. Uh, uh, my website, johnskelly.com, that's S-C-U-L-L-E-Y. Uh, you can go to Facebook, and you'll see um, 
that I, I use social media, Facebook, Twitter. Um, so you can find me there, also under John Scully. And um, you can buy uh, Moonshot, and you'll, you'll see there's a lot of discussion groups around uh, Moonshot. Uh, there are many who are doing blogs uh, around the book. Uh, so it's all about uh, getting connected into a network of people who are interested in the same kinds of things you may be interested in. And there's a sweet spot out there, I think, uh, for small and medium-sized businesses. Well, thank you again, and uh, 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 we hope you'll come back again and uh, talk some more. It's certainly, I've certainly learned a lot today. Great. Well, I appreciate you inviting me, Don, and, and I've enjoyed the conversation. Have a good day. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.